I just want to say that I'm real proud of our, hey, brother, you want to cut this down? I'm real proud of our college-age young people who every single one of them take their turn in participating in Kids' Corner in our, in our children's church. And that's a, a great blessing to see them involved in that. And they don't just go back there and play. They don't go back there and just have a babysitting service. They go back there and they teach our children. And that's really good to see because I've mentioned this before, that that college age where, where our young people are graduating high school and moving into college, that is the single phase of life where the church loses the most of their people. And so it's good to see that our, our young people, our college students, are really actively involved, not only in receiving a blessing, not only in what they can get from church, but they come so they can serve and so that they can teach children. That's a great, great blessing. Ooh, look who just walked in. I wonder what she's doing here. Who let her in? Wonder why the preacher is talking to her. Boy, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't be caught dead talking the likes of her. Today, we're going to see that kind of awful reaction toward a woman who turns out to be perhaps the greatest worshiper in the Bible. This week, I read about a pastor telling the story of a woman named Susan. Susan was an outcast. Susan was a woman that people delighted in staying away from. One night, Susan found herself in the emergency room because in the past 24 hours, she had tried to commit suicide twice. As the doctor asked his questions, she sat nervously twitching and fidgeting about. And while all this was going on, the pastor said to himself, I'm praying, and my prayer is simple. Why am I here, Lord? Why am I here? And as Jesus said, in the story we'll read today, the Lord asked, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? And the pastor looked upon that woman and realized that she was indeed an outcast, that she was unloved. Desperate, alone, hurting, and in utter despair. Pastor also noticed that she was clutching a chain around her neck, and when she opened up her hand, he saw that it was a cross she was clutching. 
And when the doctor finished, the pastor asked if he could stay for a few minutes to talk with her. And so the doctor agreed, and he stopped the police from coming in. And the pastor asked her her name. With tears in her eyes, she said, Susan. And the pastor said, you must feel very alone right now. And weeping, she said, yes, I do. And she began to cry. And she began to describe how alone she felt. She began to describe how scared she was. She began to describe how unloved she felt. And the pastor asked her if she believed in the Lord Jesus. And she said, yes, but I feel that even he can't forgive me now. And so the pastor shared our passage today with her in Luke chapter 7. And he assured her that Jesus can and Jesus will forgive. And as they prayed together, she asked God to forgive her. And suddenly the twitching and the fidgeting stopped. She had a peace. It was a peace that only Jesus could give. You see, she had to go to that place, that place where she could meet with Jesus Christ. And for her, that place was prayer. Now, many of us may hear that story and we say, man, that sure is touching, Brother Bill. But it's not about me. I am loved. I am appreciated. I am cared for. I am needed. So what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, what it means is, is there are a great many out there who are not. There are a great many people out there who are unloved, who do feel nonstop desperation. There are a great many out there who are constantly feeling like they're not cared for, constantly feeling like they're not appreciated. And Jesus tells us as believers that whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. The story might also apply to many people who would never visit this building. But can I tell you that they will be irresistibly drawn here if they know that Jesus is here. This morning in the scriptures, we have before us the record of a woman. A woman who falls at the feet of Jesus in worship. We're never told her name. And while Matthew, Mark, and John record similar events, only Luke, only Luke writes about this one unique incident. And in it, Luke doesn't record a single word that this woman said as she worshiped Jesus. Have you ever experienced wordless, Worship? 
The kind of worship where it's just you and God. In a quiet place in your home, perhaps. On a quiet walk in the park, perhaps. Where all you can do is those inward, utter groanings between you and Him. Knowing that God understands what you're thinking. That God understands and feels what you feel. That God feels the weight of the burdens you try to carry around. And without saying a word, the peace of God falls upon you. This woman's worship was so profound, so incredible, that Jesus used her as as an example to a very proud religious leader. So turn with me in your Bibles to to Luke chapter 7. And let's read what Luke records. In verse 36, the Word of God says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his, at Jesus' feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, Teacher, say it. And Jesus said, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Verse 44. And he turned to the woman, and he said to Simon, Do you see this this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, and she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Did you hear that? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how can we adequately show our appreciation and thankfulness for the precious gift of forgiveness? Let us demonstrate our love for you in a similar manner as this woman. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So we see that Jesus has invited to eat at the home of a Pharisee named Simon. We don't know really why he invited Jesus, but... Uh, if he was like the rest of the Pharisees, he was probably in the process of trying to trap him or trying to trip him up or trick him in some way or at least to get ammunition against him. Whatever the case may be, it doesn't seem like Simon is a believer. And it doesn't seem that Simon had any affection for Jesus because he did not even extend to Jesus the common courtesies of that day. Common courtesy in that day would be that as soon as Jesus or a guest arrived or entered the house, he would immediately be greeted with a kiss. He would immediately have his feet washed and his head would be anointed with oil. But it appears to me that Simon intentionally dishonors the Lord. However, in sharp contrast to Simon, a well-known woman... A woman who was well known enters the room for one reason. She comes in because she wants to find Jesus. She comes in because she's seeking the Lord. Now this woman was indeed well known. She was well known for her bad reputation. And the suggestion is that she might even be a prostitute. But her desire is singular. Her desire is to find Jesus. And when she finds him, it suddenly doesn't matter what all those respectable people seated around the table are thinking. All she wants is Jesus. And in verse 38, she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed, anointed them with fragrant oil. So she kneels with the perfume she's brought to anoint the Lord's feet. She's weeping uncontrollably, and her tears begin to fall on Jesus' dusty feet. No doubt she's embarrassed about that, and she searches for something in which to wipe his feet, but she can only use the one thing she has. And so she lets down her long hair and begins to dry his feet with her hair. But the more she wipes his feet with her hair, 
the more her tears fall. And then she begins to actually wash the Lord's feet with her tears. Then she begins to kiss his washed feet. The word that's used there when it says that she kissed his feet is a word that means she kissed them and she kissed them again and again and again. She just kept on kissing the feet of the Lord. Crying unashamedly, her nose undoubtedly running with her weeping. Her hair is wet with a muddy mixture of tears and dirt. Wow, this woman is just a self-forgetting who have come before the Lord Jesus. The sweet fragrance of her sacrifice fills the room. Smell it. That's not just me you smell. And as that sweet fragrance filled the room, anyone who is not aware of what this woman has been doing certainly is now. And all eyes are on Jesus. A prostitute kneeling before the Lord, washing his feet with her tears and drying his feet and anointing his feet with oil. What would Jesus do? All he does is just accepts her extravagant worship. The woman's wordless worship came at a great personal cost. Not only did it cost her this expensive perfume, but it also cost her a lot of humility as she humbled herself to kiss the feet, wash the feet, and dry the dirty feet of our Lord. But perhaps the greatest cost Perhaps the greatest cost that she had was to face the contempt and the rejection of these self-righteous Pharisees and all the dinner guests that were there. No one invited her. She was not wanted there. She should be thrown out. But none of those things mattered to her. Her desire was to see and worship Jesus, and that was greater than her fear. That price she had to pay may have been high, but to her, it was worth it. And then we see Simon's reaction in verse 39. Reveals a lot about the condition of his hard heart. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. Simon was passing judgment on her. Passing judgment, and his judgment went something like this. If Jesus were a prophet, he would know people's character. And if Jesus were a prophet, he would know this woman is a sinner. And if he knew that, then he wouldn't have nothing to do with her. If if Jesus was truly from God, he certainly wouldn't allow her to touch him in this way. 
But don't miss this in verse 40. As Jesus turns to Simon and says, Simon, I got something to say to you. I've got something to say to you. Has Jesus ever whispered in your ear, you and I got something to say. You and I got something to talk about. That's what he was saying to Simon. You see, Simon saw her past. Jesus saw her future. See, there are only two kinds of sinners in this world. And every one of us here fits in one of those two categories. There are sinners who know they are sinners. And there are sinners who know not that they are sinners. But what Jesus has to say today are some life-changing principles that are as meaningful today as the day he spoke them. And so he shares a story to illustrate his meaning and illustrate his point. Just like the two men that Jesus uh, mentioned in his story, every single one of us here is spiritually in debt. Verse 41. He said there is a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Jesus was using a story, a parable, to illustrate what he meant. And he said there were two men who borrowed some money. One had borrowed about two months' wages. The other one borrowed about two years' wages. Both of these guys had incredible debt, especially in that day. But the creditor, in an incredible display of mercy and compassion, canceled both men's debts. And Jesus asks, tell me, which one of them will love the creditor more? Certainly somebody that's forgiven ten times as much would have greater gratitude, right? Right? And the greater the debt, the more the forgiveness would cost the creditor, right? Likewise, some people love much because they've been forgiven much. But can I tell you, everyone needs forgiveness. And not only is every single one of us here spiritually in debt, we also see that we can never repay the debt. Did you catch it there in verse 42? And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. The good news is, is that forgiveness is available to everybody. But it's not free. Forgiveness is not free. Forgiveness always costs something. To this creditor, it cost him 550 denarii. It's a lot of money. And although there is a lot of difference in what each man owed, 
What's really important is this, and if you don't leave here without anything else, don't leave here without this. Because what's important is that neither one of them was able to pay their debt. Neither one of them could pay. When God said, I forgive you, it cost him the life of his only begotten son. The sin debt had to be paid. Your sin debt had to be paid. And Jesus paid the debt so that if you by faith would believe in him, you would not have to. And it doesn't matter whether you're a high-class sinner like Simon or a low-class sinner like this prostitute. They both need forgiveness. The woman owed the greater debt, but they both owed a debt they could not pay. You know, sometimes it's harder. It's harder for those who are saved as children and who grow up in the church. It's, it's harder for them who have been spared a life of abundant sin. It's harder for them to realize the magnitude of what Jesus Christ has done for us because they've grown up hearing it. But oftentimes, the, the person who comes to the Lord, have, having lived a life of abundant sin, they come and all of a sudden they realize, are you kidding me? The Lord Jesus died for all these sins I've committed? And it makes a bigger impact on them. But Jesus says in verse 43 to Simon, you've judged rightly. For the woman who has been forgiven much does love me more. I believe that Simon was beginning to get it. I believe he was beginning, beginning to understand that everyone needed forgiveness and that nobody was able to repay the debt. The question is, do you? Do you understand that you have a sin debt that you cannot pay? Well, we do have a sin debt that we can never repay. But Jesus teaches us, and this is the promise of God, that if we'll come to Jesus, you will never be turned away. In verse 44, Jesus then turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. See, now Jesus brings his focus back to the woman. And he tells Simon that this, what this woman has done for Jesus is something that he refused to do. Simon had intentionally neglected the common courtesy afforded any guest. But he overlooked Simon's insult. Because his purpose for being there was not to teach a, manner, uh, a lesson on manners. His, less, his reason for being there was to teach a lesson about forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness. And we all have a sin debt that we cannot pay. And what this woman does for the Lord Jesus far surpasses anything like common courtesy. She came to Jesus in faith. 
turning away from that old life, worshiping her Savior, seeking his forgiveness, and can I tell you, she left not disappointed. She received what she came after. And as she wept, I bet you she could sense the Lord's forgiveness on her life. You know, you're never more happy than when you feel forgiven. You're never more happy than when you feel free of a debt. You're never more happy than when you feel free of guilt, free of shame. And that's the promise of Jesus Christ to free you from those things. For we can never repay the sin of debt that we all owe. But if we'll come to Jesus, we'll never be turned away. And if you'll come to Jesus in repentance and faith, the Bible says your sins will be, say will be, your sins will be forgiven. Verse 47. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many, say many. Oh, they were many. Her sins which are many are what? Forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now I hear that verse, and I say, hmm. Jesus said, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. It almost makes it sound like that if you love the Lord Jesus enough, you can get forgiveness, doesn't it? But that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. She can't earn her forgiveness by some act of love. We've already established you can't earn God's forgiveness in any circumstances. You owe a debt you cannot pay. But love is a natural response because, say because, because we've been forgiven. Love is a natural response because we've been forgiven. Another translation of verse 47 kind of brings out the true meaning of Jesus' words here. It says, For this reason I tell you that her sins, her many sins, must have been forgiven, or she would not have shown such great love. And then Jesus spoke the words she'd been searching for all her life. Your sins are forgiven. And the truly exciting part is that what was true then is true today. For Jesus forgives all who come to him by faith and in repentance. And then in verse 50, Jesus will make it crystal clear exactly what it is that has saved her from her sin. For Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Did you hear that? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But what did the woman believe by faith? What was it she believed by faith? Well, she believed by faith that if she came to Jesus, admitting that she was a sinner... He promised that he would not send her away, but would forgive her sins, and she would be saved. That's what she believed by faith. And can I tell you, she was right. She left a little different than the way she came in. She left forgiven, came in a sinner, and her sins were many. But she left forgiven, 
And she left saved. But the question remains, what about you? What about you? Do you see this woman? Do you see that she was lost in her love because of what Jesus Christ had given her? That she poured out her very being at the feet of Jesus? Do you see this woman? And will you receive the blessings that she received in response to her Lord and Savior? In 1830, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. Now back in that day, the penalty for mail theft was death by hanging. That's right. True story. But after a period of time, President Andrew Johnson gave Wilson a pardon. But he refused to accept it. Is that crazy or what? The authorities were puzzled. They didn't know what to do. Should Wilson be hanged or should he go free? And so they consulted Chief Justice John Marshall. And he gave this decision. He said that a pardon is a slip of paper which has value only if the person being pardoned accepts it. If it is refused, It's not a pardon. Wilson must die. Have you accepted the pardon that you've been offered? In his book, The Applause of Heaven, Max Licato writes, By the book, I'm guilty. But by God's love, I get another chance. By the book of the law, I'm indicted, but by mercy, I'm given a fresh start. For it is by grace you have been saved. Not by works so that any man might boast. It is a gift of God. You may not have noticed the marquee in the front of the property, but on it, it says that our sins put Jesus on the cross. But it was love that kept him there. The unique characteristic about the kingdom of Jesus Christ is that his subjects don't work in order to go to heaven. They work because they're going to heaven. So what about you? Are you going to heaven? If you know that you are, are you showing your love for such a gift and faithfully serving the Lord? Are you faithfully loving the Lord as He deserves? I want to encourage you today that if you've never accepted that pardon, that you'd accept it today. Now's the time to believe and be saved just like this woman whose sins were many. Everyone has a sin debt. It's a sin debt that we can't repay. The promise of God is that you'll never be turned away. 
and your sins will be forgiven. I wish I could do it for you. I wish that your mama and daddy could do it for you. But I can't and they can't. So however it is that that God is speaking to you through these words today, I pray you'd make your decision accordingly. Let us pray. Lord, how do we thank you for such a gift? Lord, I fully realize that I am a sinner. And Lord, I owe a sin debt that's so big I would never be able to repay it. Thank you that when I came to you, you didn't turn me away. But you forgave my sin and you saved me and assured me of a place in heaven with your Father. Father, is there somebody here today that needs to accept that gift you offer? Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray that you would speak to that one today and give them the courage to step out, step forward and receive the gift you offer that doesn't come by works. It's a gift of God and it comes by faith. Lord, thank you for our ladies today. Thank you for this woman today and the example of love and worship that she demonstrates that though her sins, her many sins, Lord, thank you that you forgave her. And what was true then is true today. We can be forgiven. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we ask you to have your way and your will in this decision time so that you'll be glorified and Jesus will be proclaimed until such time as he comes again to get us. And we lift this prayer in his holy name. And all God's people say,